Welcome to Creative Engineering. We have a special episode today with Jason Clevering. How are you doing, Jason? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. And we also have my co-host, Norbert. How are you doing, Norbert? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, too. So today we're going to be talking about ProPut for... Uh, by Topgolf for Oculus Quest that is coming out soon. And uh, Jason, you are, um, what part of the team are you on? So I'm, I'm the president of the company and, and essentially what I um, work with the team is however I can help dreams happen and bring them to reality through, uh, through different aspects of the business. Um, and then just general partnerships um, such as the one with Topgolf uh, and other, you know, kind of general um, business to-do lists in terms of development. So whether that comes from financing to, uh, you know, something strategic um, or looking down the road at, at what we can do um, in current climates as well that uh that might be viable not only for us as a company but also for vr in general as it grows oh wow um so what what is your background with uh vr or just development in general um in terms of development well vr is is so new there's not a lot of 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 people out there that have been around a long long time even though there's there's been different things that have dabbled in it you know from nintendo on in in vr to where we are today with something like the quest um my background is primarily in entertainment um in traditional specifically film and music um when it comes to development of games uh i did study from a production standpoint uh at usc in california did uh worked on some beta teams through uh through my university years and stuff like that but at heart i am an enthusiast um i'm somebody that started off with pong on a black and white tv and i couldn't find any of my friends that were good enough so i actually it's the only thing i can do ambidextrously is play pong so i'd play against myself for many many hours and then my dad would be like here, take this tennis racket and play a real sport, kid. <laughs> Kick me outside. So, uh, but no, I, I went through through the entire evolution of, of video games. That kind of says a lot about my age, and I'm, I'm definitely the the senior one at uh, at ProPod at Golf Scoper, the parent company. So, uh, so yeah, I've seen it all, and and just always always have approached technology and gaming from some, you know, this, these very childlike, um, amazement eyes. And then this very keen sense on how can you involve the masses? And then at the end of the day, turn it into a business. So, uh, golf scope, like I said, our, our, our parent company has really been that platform since late 2019 for, for me to really work closely with our founder Ryan Engel and uh, and and develop into what we'll release here in a couple of days on the Oculus Quest. Wow, that's amazing! Pretty cool. Where are you guys located? So we're in Austin, Texas, um, and it's you know an interesting mix of us that go from all level of golfer, um, all level of ability in the tech world 
um, in the design world, in the business world, all of that, that we are this, this band of brothers that somehow or another showed up, you know, in the same location at the same time to do some rather spectacular things and lend all of our talents to, uh, to a vision that uh, our, our founder, Ryan, has really committed to since the first app that he created for the company called Golfscope. Did a lot of your team, like how much of your team do you think um, was like their first experience with VR or was it other people had just game experience or was this all um, professionals? So it's other than Ryan, it's all our first um, experience developing something for VR and uh, definitely some interesting challenges. I think the biggest rule of developing for VR is get it in the headset. You know, it's with, with VR, it's such an emerging um, realm. And I say that in, in a number of different senses, it's, it's emerging and re-emerging at the same time in the sense that there are a lot of people in this world that have never experienced VR. And it's not something you can describe. You know, I can't, I can't put it into prose and you understand what it is like to stand on the beach course and watch birds fly overhead. And I can't put it in a, a video and have you have your senses kind of start playing in VR, meaning that it fills in the blanks where it almost feels like the sun is shining on you or the wind is blowing and things like that. So VR truly requires somebody to be in the headset. And then it's re-emerging at the same time because you have technology like the Quest that is getting rid of those first time ill experiences that people have had in VR in terms of, I give you a perfect example. I'm, I'm the best example of re-emerging into VR. My first experience in VR was with the PSVR and Gran Turismo. I'm a huge racing fan. So I was like, oh, the first thing I'm going to do is strap myself into a car and like <laughs> race through these European streets at like, you know, 260 kilometers an hour. Okay. Well that worked for about four minutes. And then I tore the headset yeah. <laughs> off. I ran in the bathroom. I vomited for 15 minutes and then laid on my back for three hours and swore I would never do VR again. It's like your first tequila experience. It's like, no, I'm never drinking that. Like you smell it and you start to get sick. And I'd like see a VR yeah. headset in somebody's room and I'd be like, oh God, where's your bathroom? So I think there's that reemergence. So when it comes to development, a lot of us are in that same realm where we're trying to cast off anything that was bad in terms of VR at the same time. We're trying to put our headset, headsets on as often as possible so that we understand what we, in, we all have experience in 2D and 3D doing. Now, when you put it in VR, now you understand what, what you truly have the power of doing, I think, more so than any other entertainment platform. And that's truly surrounding somebody, being able to commit to their emotional space as much as their physical space. And so we're all just, you know, kids trying to figure out how to make the cool stuff. Uh, one thing the Oculus Quest got right is the six off tracking, you know, having the ability to move around a room versus just like the Oculus Go where you're just doing like basically what cardboard did. Um, yeah. Like that was my first experience was the 
just the head tracking and it was great, mm. but I got so sick. There's just something about like when you want to turn your head left and right, yeah. that spatial awareness in VR that takes it to the next level. And I remember getting so sick or just like, you know, for me, the Oculus Quest was one of the first devices that I almost didn't notice the pixels. Like you can mm -hmm. if you start to pay attention, but they really disappear when you're not paying attention. Yeah. Like, versus like the cardboard where they're just it's so obvious when you had a lower resolution phone or, you know, things that weren't made for it, as well yeah. as just, you know, experiences like, like you said, like the PSVR where it's just like, you know, this is, it's cool, but it's like, it, Oculus, Oculus shows that it can be so much better. Yeah, and I think being able to cut the cord is so important. It, it doesn't matter how immersed mm -hmm. you are. The second you turn and you feel something kind of yank you back, it yanks you out. It's not just yes. like, oh, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm at the my limit or, you know, or you feel it on your shoulder or something like that. There's always going to be something that's breaking the VR wall and pulling you out of the experience. So with the Quest not having that, you truly feel immersed at that point in time. It's like there's the, the you've lost the world around you because there's nothing literally tethering you to the world around you. So yeah, now I'm literally breaking physical walls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With the quest, you gain so much flexibility because I mean, in golf, you don't have to play in your room. You could go outside in your garden and actually stand in the the grass and play golf there just opens yeah. so many doors you can do which you couldn't just bring your computer to like uh, you wouldn't want your to bring your big beefy machine and <laughs> find some sort of uh, a power just to right. just to play some vr yeah no i think that's in in pro putt one of the days during development that i really kind of like got me is i was you know the great thing about pro putt is and how we've developed it is that you orient yourself in your guardian, basically in the center of it. And once you orient yourself, you never have to move, really. I mean, mm -hmm. if you need to turn, you can use a joystick to turn, but it's not like you need to walk anywhere or like do anything. So you can really just stay fixed and you can putt anywhere. Um, so I kind of went through a bunch of things like, oh, you know what? I'm going to putt in the bedroom and then I'm going to putt <laughs> on the bed and then I'm going to putt in the shower without the water running. But one day I was putting in the kitchen and I had a window open. There was a pretty significant breeze and I was standing on the course and I was putting and the breeze hit me. And it was one of those things that it was just, it just added something to it that made it even more real. And even though you knew it was the real breeze, there was this great moment where VR owned the physical space. It's like, yes. I'm now going to use this to my advantage, you know, to immerse this person even deeper. So yeah, having things like feeling the actual heat of the sun on you while you're putting or feeling the wind and things like that. It's just, it's kind of fun to experiment in the, in the quest lets you do that. The quest truly lets you put yourself into environments that'll, that'll expand it even further without having to buy additional hardware. Like you can use nature to add to the experience. So that's, that's been fun. So, when developing this game, um, I know you guys, um, some of you guys have golf experience. Were you inspired by any other golf games when you started building this? Or was this mostly just like, you know, we have this vision with Top Golf and just want to, you know, carry it out? I mean, again, you know, not to, to, you know, show my AARP card or anything <laughs> like that. But I mean, I go back to golf on Atari 2600, you know, and it's, it's always been 
one of those games in a digital sense that you feel a little bit like my knowledge of the real sport is going to translate fairly well here, even though I'm hitting a button, you know, whether it's just decisions on, okay, I should go for this shot or I should lay up or things like that, 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 that do that. Um, but I mean the, the pinnacle for, for me, and I think, you know, a few guys on the team here would definitely be any of the tiger woods games that happened on, on Xbox or PlayStation. I, they just, they had one feature in there that was just it, like it hooked you. I mean, that's, you watch a movie like Tin Cup, you know, and he talks about, he's trying to explain what golf is, you know, and he's like, you know, that, you know, if that tuning fork in your loins goes off just one time, you know, that one perfectly struck shot, no matter how many horrible ones you've hit before, you're coming back the next day because you're like, oh, I want to feel that again. So in Tiger Woods games, it was like that heartbeat. Like you'd hit a shot and all of a sudden it'd like go into like this weird, like, graphics and then like the controller started pulsating and you were like oh yeah and then if you were playing against somebody and they'd hear it they're like oh come on not again you know it was just like it it was immersive as golf so that was the first time that you really felt the emotions of golf start to trickle into the digital realm you know with that 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 heartbeat pounding in that controller it's just like Oh, I just want to feel this over and over again. <laughs> yes, it's addicting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, building a golf game itself is pretty hard, I can imagine. But yeah. building a golf game in VR is even harder. What were some major challenges you faced, and how did you solve them? Well, again, it's it's all about getting in the headset. So a lot of it was you know, on paper, that seems like that would translate into golf emotions. But until we did it in the headset, sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. I think one of the the biggest was to get you immersive in an environment, take you somewhere, take you on a journey that, uh, that I think is very important in golf. If you think about golf as a sport in you know, in an urban setting. I lived in Los Angeles for many years. In LA, first off, everybody drives everywhere. Like literally, I knew people that would drive a block away and to go to a friend's house. You're like, really, you can't walk a block? So, you know, there's a there's an old song in the 80s called Walking in LA. And it was basically nobody walks in LA. Um, and so the only time that you your feet ever really touched grass in LA was when you go to play golf. So it's truly like one of the only times you get to like play a sport where your feet are on turf. So it was really important that we were able to replicate that sensation that, okay, I feel like I'm on a golf course when you're on one of our putting courses. But I think the the biggest challenge that we've gotten right where most games have not gotten this right is the sense that when you hit a putt and the ball rolls, it looks like a, that's what I intended to do. And B the ball really is rolling. The physics are so precise and so real that it was, that was the biggest thing that we we decided we needed to do is like, if this ball doesn't feel like a real golf ball and a real golf ball rolling, and if it, 
hits the hole on the edge at a speed, if it doesn't start to go down and kind of come back out like a real golf ball would, then all we've created is a video game. And I think uh, that's exactly what we haven't done. We've created a golf experience. And it just happens to be that you're only using your putter. But that doesn't mean that those emotions and those frustrations and the, the elations and all of that, all the shuns don't come into to play. And I think that was that was our, our biggest challenge and our biggest achievement through it all. What was the thing that you were probably most proud of? Like, was it because I know we talked about, you know, porting that uh, pretty complex engine was uh, like because for me, when I first played pro putt, that's the thing that got me was it did feel like a golf ball because you know it's something like you know, like when you play like a pool game online if the mm-hmm. ball doesn't roll like a pool ball it's like it just feels so silly like it doesn't it just feels yeah. like a toy it doesn't yeah. feel real yeah it feels like a cat toy sliding across the ground you know it's yeah. like it's like it's just not gonna work you're like uh no i don't want to hit that thing again because i don't know if it really is doing what i intended it to do so yeah no, I know where mm. you're coming from. How did you, you know, combat like the differences between, cause I know the, the pro version, you know, has way higher physics and then the regular mode is a little bit easier. How do you make those trade-offs between, you know, the, you know, the really hard simulation kind of style and then the kind of relaxed having fun? Yeah. I, you, a lot of it is you know, just thinking about it from a golf perspective. You know, if you took a guy that never, or, you know, 30 handicapper that, you know, has played golf three times. You'd never take him out to the black horse at Beth page. You know, it's like one of the hardest golf courses in North America. And you're like, that person's just going to have a miserable, miserable time and probably never play golf again. Like that's a worst sport ever. So I think with amateur mode where the physics are all the same, we give you the the putt line so that you can see where you're supposed to putt. So we give you, you know, a few things to to help you out through this, but um, in no way are we making putts for you type of thing. We haven't gamified it to that. So we wanted people to be able to get in there and and feel what it's like to make a 30-foot putt. You know, whether you, there's there's a satisfaction, whether you make a two footer or you make a hundred footer, there's a satisfaction there. But seeing that ball drop, that goes from satisfaction to I use this word often elation, because that's just like the ultimate satisfaction and seeing a ball like dive over the edge of the hole into the bottom of the cup. That's just elation. What we then wanted to do is we didn't want anybody sits there and go, well, that's just a video game and especially golfers. And so in pro mode, I mean, there's, there's no assistance in any way, shape or form. I mean, it, it's a game of millimeters. Like it is on a real golf course. If you don't hit that putt exactly right, if you haven't chosen your line and hit the right speed and all of those things, it's not going in, you know, just like real golf. So we wanted, you know, to give that experience as well where, you know, okay, I can take this to the, p- the pinnacle of, you know, where it goes into true simulation of, of, of what the ball is going to do when you, when you strike it with a putter. So the, the trade-offs were, were, were pretty easy, um, you know, that, you know, we wanted people to come back and enjoy it and feel all those great things. And then we also wanted to treat it like putting, you know. Most people in this world have struck a putt. 
in real life with a putter and a golf ball, you know, and it's whether it's on a miniature golf course or on a PGA tour course, you, you probably have, have struck a putt, even with a plastic putter as a two-year-old. So people know what that movement is. Um, the learning curve for how to hit a putt successfully is pretty shallow. Just about anybody can do it. You can take a two-year-old, you can take an 80-year-old, and they can strike putts and not have to have some crazy physical prowess to do so. But to master it is impossible. And so it was important yeah. <laughs> in pro mode that it was that same level of impossibility to master it. You can get really good, but you're never going to master it. I mean, any golfer out there is this. I mean, you look at somebody like Jordan Spieth, number one putter in the world. Like, I mean, the guy couldn't miss from six zip codes away in any tournament. And a year later, he's like out of the top hundred. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't kick it in from an inch away, you know, and that's what putting is. It's going to reward you many days and then it is going to haunt you many nights so <laughs> that was what was important in in pro mode in pro putt for sure you got that 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 same kind of spectrum of um reward and hatred out of it i guess in the first part of the development did you kind of face like when you're like gaslighting it to people like um oh well is this going to be like a putt putt game like stuff like that yeah i think a lot of people immediately when you just say putting game that's their first thought is windmills and colored lights you know and to you know to their defense that's all that's been out there ever really you know nobody's really approached it like we have from trying to mix that that golf with game um aspect with putting, but leaning hard into the golf emotions and the challenges and the, you know, the social aspect where you feel like you're playing golf and you're not playing putt putt. Those are big, big differences, but you're still using the same club all the time. Um, but no, it was, it was always, or we get the request of, you know, are you guys going to do miniature golf courses and, you know, never say never, you know, but I yeah. think we've found something very unique in pro putt that speaks to everybody that also feels like a new experience. Like I'm doing something I haven't done before with a putter. When you get on the putting courses and you go, okay, now I need to, if I am a golfer, I have to really approach it as a golfer. And if I'm a gamer, I can really try some outlandish things to to dial this in like I like it or just to be able to brag to my buddies that, you know, I hit a 130-foot putt off a rock, you know? So yes. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, like for me, it, it's kind of nice though in a way that people do have that experience with putt-putt that it's so accessible that you can have that conversation to be like, you know, it's an easy sell to be like, yeah, well, if you like putt putt, you're going to really love this because there's, you know, like when you're playing the game, you get to like, you know, putt under a, a waterfall and in the desert. And there's, it's so much more immersive than a, a, a putt putt course could ever be. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your um, experience working with top golf on the game so far? I mean, it's been, it's been really great. We, uh, we began talking to them um, a little over a year ago. And, uh, you know, we were – the easy thing about it is we have the same mission in this all, and that's to grow the game of golf. Um, to do that through entertaining ways, to do it with technology, 
and all of that. So we shared the same vision at the end of the day. So that that always makes it easier for for um, two parties to come together and 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 work on something for for a common goal. So that was great. Um, you know, it's it's been challenging um, the last couple of months, as most businesses have. You know, is just trying to understand where we can go. You know, we had a lot of hopes and dreams that are going to, you know, either be put on hold or have to be reinvented. And I know that everything that we've done together so far, that we'll be able to overcome that. Um, So it's, it's a new relationship. Um, Everybody is excited there. Everybody is excited on our side. And, you know, when you share the same same vision and mission statement. It, it, it allows you to do a lot of things um, together very successfully. So we're looking forward to that, that opportunity over time. Did the virus kind of accelerate the growth or the development of this game? Um, in terms of accelerate the development, no, we, you know, it's working in the digital realm and uh, with a smaller team, it was one of those things that we, we had the vision. It was pretty much just execution and in development, certain things, no matter if you work 24 hours a day, just take time, you know, and then uh, then you break things and then you got to build them back up and, you know, things like that. So typical development timeline. So the, the pandemic didn't affect us in that way. I think if it affected us in any way, it's, it's how are we going to get this message out to the masses about VR? Um, again, like I've said, you, you, in order to get somebody excited about VR that's never been in VR, they have to experience having a headset on them. And it's the, the one thing I think that Oculus has, has found in the, in the positive, you know, is that the quest is incredibly popular. So it's still very difficult to buy one of these. I, I've always got a like retail tracker going. Like I get like hit by Walmart at two 30 in the morning. It's like, Oh, it's available. And I'm like, you know, if, if you're not online in, in 10 seconds, it's gone basically. So, so even trying to communicate out for somebody to get a headset, even if they were going to just take this blind leap of faith is, is difficult. So the best way is to, is to do it through events and, and, and things like that. It's just going to be challenging now, you know, um, somebody putting on a public headset, they're going to be scared, you know, and, uh, and we all have to be cautious there. So I think, uh, I think that's probably the biggest way that this has affected us. But uh, again, it's uh, we've got a lot of things that we're going to do in the coming months that I think will really get people inspired to kind of, like I said, take that blind leap of faith and go, okay, maybe I need to buy one of these quests. It's I think it's a, the closest thing that you can compare it to in recent times would be the Wii. You know, it was like the Wii came out and it was like, it was like, what is this Nintendo thing? Like what? I don't know what it is, you know? And then you saw like grandma bowling and like jumping around and going like that. And you're like, okay, maybe I should try this thing, you know? And then you tried it and you're like, okay, now I'm breaking a sweat four times a day trying to like play bowling or whatever, you know? And it's like, 
it's it's going to be that type of thing, I think, with just a number of different experiences. And hopefully ProPut is one of those where somebody goes, that looks like it's a lot of fun. That looks like something I can do. So maybe I should make the investment and go down that road. So I know, you know, you've got Facebook behind Oculus, which is the greatest marketing engine in the world. So if there was ever a chance for it to be uh, hugely successful, I think it's definitely there. And I think ProPut is definitely in the position to, uh, to be that first experience for people as well. You know, we'll all look back 20 years from now and go, what was your first experience in, in VR? And hopefully a lot of people can say ProPut. Talking about Oculus, um, as I know, the game's going to be released pretty soon. How has been and how is the uh, cooperation with Oculus like? Um, yeah, tell us about. I mean, it's awesome. Like, it really is. I think one of the biggest things that I've been impressed with with Oculus is their attention to detail. Um, mm -hmm. I think it would have been very easy for a company like them with an engine like Facebook behind them to just go, let's just put everything out there. I think it's, it's kind of the Netflix effect right now. You know, Netflix has got, you know, like who knows how many shows on there and how many movies. And it's like, It, it basically is like, well, we don't want Amazon to get it, so we'll buy it. We'll put it on there. We're just going to like, you know, put a thousand shows on there because then we can say we have a thousand shows. Well, guess what? Nine hundred ninety-four of them are horrible. You know, and yeah. you're like, you're, you're sitting there. I like go through Netflix, and I'm like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And five minutes, and you're like, that's horrible. And you know, next one, ten minutes. Oh, I can't watch that. You know, and by that yeah. time, it's like, <laughs> okay, I don't even want to watch Netflix anymore because my my rolling the dice luck is horrible. And I think with Oculus, they could have done that. They could have taken every game in the world out there, just put it on there. We've got this giant, you know, and gone, well, we've got a library of, you know, a thousand games and da, 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 da. And they didn't, they got selective and they made the process rigorous and they made it so that you had to prove along the way that mm -hmm. you deserve the right to develop for Oculus and especially the quest. Um, but at the same time, They could, it could have been one of those things where it's like, well, you know, the mighty Oculus is speaking and this is it. And it's not, they're always like pumping you up and like patting you on the back and helping you through mm -hmm. and all of those things, you know, and when you have an, an, an engineer like our founder, Ryan, you know, that is, is so spectacular at what he does to be able to merge into an environment like Oculus and, and provide them with, with things that they weren't expecting that were going to be as good as they were when they showed up on their desk, um, mm -hmm. I think really helped the process with us as well. So it was, you know, very seamless, very, very enthusiastic on all sides. And uh, I hope that everybody recognizes that in the final product. I think um, Oculus is kind of taking a similar thing that the iPhone did, which honestly I think is one of the biggest reasons why it had such a big success is with the App Store. Like the App Store is just the same as, um, you know, like the Oculus Store where you have to have a review process. Not everybody can make apps for it. And I think the trade off is that you get a bunch of curated apps on there that make it 
you know, so much of a better experience when you lower mm -hmm. the chances of you getting a bad egg, a bad app, of course, that means there's still going to be ones that slip through. But when you lower those chances, you make the overall experience for especially first time people, it's going to be a good one uh, versus yeah. like the contrast on Android when almost anybody can submit even duplicates of apps. And, you know, it's just mm -hmm. you then start to associate the app store with the product itself, which is so sad because like the yeah. product and the software are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of bad apples that can that can ruin the tree really quick. You know, and it's uh, that's definitely not the case at Oculus for sure. And I, I really have to applaud them that they they took that stance and and decided that everything that comes out of there really is as a level of quality that surpasses everything else. So I can imagine when. Um Working with Oculus and building app, it is pretty important to have an MVP uh, which resembles the game and shows up what it's going to be at the end pretty quickly. How long did it take you to build something which is actually the MVP of ProPad? Oh, that's a really good question because there were a few of those moments along development that were just aha moments where we were really thinking and, you know, getting the whiteboards out and, you know, Monday meetings that were supposed to be an hour turned into five hours. And it's like, <laughs> you know, okay. And then, you know, something came along an idea or something that just kind of, you went, wow, that is where we want to go. Um, mm -hmm. I think the idea of, of the putting course, you know, and really trying to translate, um, a golf hole into putting was really that moment that we knew, okay, this is going to be something special. I mean, beyond the physics mm -hmm. aspect of it, you know, getting the physics right was, was so key, but it's then like, you know, you've got, you've got this Ferrari and the last thing you want to do is drive it all day long on a gravel road. You know, it's like yeah. we've got to find the great road that this goes on. And I think once that first first even hole was created in a, mm. in a putting course, and it was kind of cool because, you know, we were like, okay, here's a putting course. And then Ryan would go in and, and create a hole, and we'd play it, and we'd play it, and we'd play it so many times. And then all of a sudden, it was like, okay, there's a new, you know, download the new version and like there's three holes and you're like, Oh wow. I get to go from the first hole to the second hole. And then when you got to like a full course and it was time to put up a score, it was like, okay, now all I want to do is beat everybody else. And I think then yes. the next one was kind of like the leaderboard and the, it was multiple leaderboards. Like we have a leaderboard for um, like feet of putts. So I'll never forget the leaderboard came up the first time on the first hole on the beach course. And the putt is, I don't know, probably 40 some odd feet, something like that, fairly straight. And so I hit it and it goes in the hole and I'm like, oh yeah, top of the leaderboard. And I turn around and look at the leaderboard and it's like 79 feet. And I'm like, how is that possible? And I'm like on Slack, <laughs> there's a problem, there's a bug, somebody got a 70 foot putt. And then I was like, wait a second. I don't need to go the most direct route to the hole. Now I got to get creative and go, how can I send it down the left side, up the bank, around, let it come around and go in the right side of the hole? And I was like, 
wow, 82 feet, like top of the leaderboard. And that in <laughs> is sense was like, okay, now that creativity in golf that comes into play that you hear so many pros talk about that they're so good. They just get creative with their shots that came into play. And that, that kind of like poking the bear, like, you know, okay, mm -hmm. I'm at the top of the leaderboard. And then you're like, oh man, I was in there for like three hours the other night trying to get the top of the leaderboard and Jason yeah. just took it from me. Like, Oh, I'm back in now, you know? So I think the leaderboards was that kind of next moment where it was like, Oh yeah, I just, I need to own that thing. You know? So you're going back and back and back and back. So there's, there's been a number of those, those moments that have been really, really great throughout this that, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll, people will definitely pick up on those, um, and see how much, how much fun we had, developing them and how much fun they'll have actually being able to play them yeah for me i currently hold the high score for the waterfall on non-pro version but that was the one i was telling you about that i got it in two so I was, great i'm still number one so yeah great thanks so now i gotta spend three hours tonight knocking you off yes. that leaderboard i appreciate that yeah it's so fun though because it's like like you said it's uh it's not just like you know, you could play the the same hole multiple times. It doesn't get boring because you can find new creative ways to get there. And yeah. I think that's that was the killer feature for me, which was the dynamic way of playing the game. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it really comes into play, too, when you, you start getting into multiplayer because you can be sitting there going, okay, just like real golf, it's like, okay, I'm two holes down. That impossible shot, I need to pull that off right now. And when you do, <laughs> the reward is so big, you're like... Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm back in it now. You know, I did yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that little tiny thread of a needle that I needed to just get it onto that certain section and I did it. And now I'm like mm -hmm. only one down or I'm one up now. It's just, it's the best feeling. But knowing that there's so many options and when to play those options, you know, especially when you're playing multiplayer, it's like when to hit the gas, when not to hit the gas. And that's golf essentially. You know, that's, 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 what's going to give one person, you know, making early plane flights out of the tournament and the other one raising the trophy at the end, you know, is making those risk reward decisions. And there's tons of them in pro putt. That's for sure. So are you working with like the built-in physics from the game engine or are you kind of rolling your own or maybe a little bit of hybrid? Um, no, this is, this is ours. You know, we really kind of developed this over the course of our first two iOS apps. Um, uh, golf scope and simply putting, you know, and it really was, we looked at everything that had kind of preceded us in terms of digital golf balls and kind of came up with that conclusion that nobody had gotten it right. Nobody had gotten it where you feel like you're hitting a ball and it's rolling like a real ball and all of that. And, you know, with that kind of, you know, hurdle to climb because nobody else had really done it right we kind of just set off and said no we're going to do it ourselves and it was really important that we used everything we learned through our ios apps and translated that into vr because especially in vr when it comes to putting it's so important you know when if you think of it this way when you get up and i think this is why golf simulators work for everything except putting I mean, when you get up on a tee box on a golf course and you're on a hole that's 450 yards long, you don't sit there and have to understand 
every five feet between you and where you hit your driver at 280 yards. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, there's the fairway. I need to hit it straight and it needs to go 280 yards, but I don't need to understand, you know, how it, you know, how much wind resistance it's going to have because it goes past those four trees on the left. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau might want to know that, but most people aren't that way. And so, a 2D representation of that works perfectly. So that's why a simulator works for playing from T up to the green. But in order to truly understand what you need to do to put a ball 20 feet into a hole, you need to get something that is close to feeling all of the elements between you and the hole, meaning what that what speed that surface rolls at the undulation for every inch along the way and the only way you can do that is truly in vr you know we do a couple of different things in a pro putt one of them being teleport to be able to move you around so literally you can go to the other side of the hole and look at a putt from the other side of the hole before you hit it like you would on a real golf course or go halfway down the putt line and go, okay, this is where it's going to break. This is the feeling I get at this point in time. You can't do that in a 2D realm truly where you get a sensation of what the ball is going to do when it rolls past that point. So that was, mm-hmm. uh, that was very keen in the physics that, that it became that reality. And, and, and in VR, we think that we really, you know, were able to nail that or if you can treat it as you need to, treat a putt with that feel um incorporated in putting and giant mode too of course (laughs) oh of course giant mode yeah so i can imagine building such a physics engine and just getting the feeling right is already a huge challenge but besides just the physics um vr in general is a relatively new field hasn't been around for that long um have there been any pain points or things you'd say um um, were major pain points when developing for VR specifically? The shorter answer of that is no, um, other than just having to kind of unleash your mind in a different way, um, especially when you're, you're in, in UX and UI, you're sitting there and so used to dealing with 2D space um, that you now have that great opportunity to do things that aren't possible. Um, you can't reach into the screen of your computer, you know, but in VR, literally you can reach forward and touch something. So I think one of the biggest challenges was just sitting there and, and reiterating on that ability and always learning that we have all this space that you can put things You know, it's, you're not like, think of an iPhone, you know, you've only got so much screen space that you can, you know, put UI on there. So in VR, you have to kind of like relearn yourself and go, hold on a second. I don't have what's just in my field of vision. It can be off to the side and back here or up high or on a mountainside or anything like that. Like you can put something, you know, 150 yards away that's up there that will come into people's view at very interesting times or they can turn to it you know so i think that's one of the 
the things that, that we learned very quickly that, you know, Hey, we don't have to operate in a, in a rectangle or a square space. We can just kind of operate anywhere. I think you also get the um, benefit of using sound and also haptics, which you don't get on mobile phones or anything like that. Just like where you can like trigger a noise and just subtle enough to where like the user doesn't even have to see it. They can just understand what's going on just by feel like, you know, I can be putting and just, you know, hit the trigger. The ball can come in. I know when my club touches the ground, like there's so many like non visual things that just make the experience that you just, you just can't do with it. Even a controller. Yeah. And I, I think especially with the quest with the spatial audio as well, you just, you even though you're looking one direction, there's so many things happening that just fill in the, the the blind spots that just immerses you in it all. You know, I mean, VR is is so immersive unto itself and so 3D, but that audio as well that just kind of fills in the blanks behind you that you know that two seconds ago I turned around and there was a bird flying overhead and I, the waves were lapping against the beach there. I saw that, but when you hear the audio behind you, it fills in the blank that it's still there, even though visually it's not. And I think that that's really, really key for, for VR. And another thing that we, we dealt with as well as really, you know, developing the audio in it, that, that, that Mm -hmm. made it, so engaging, even, even sounds that you never would have used usually in a, in a, in a video game on a, on a console or something like that, that needed to be done so that they really affected you emotionally. Like the, the sound of when the ball goes in the cup is, is quite a jolting (laughs) sound and it, it emanates out and it just adds to the satisfaction that that ball went in the hole because it's such a grand, (laughs) big, like just final, like you did it sound. Um, so that was really key that things like that had to get right. So are you guys developing for multiple headsets too, or just targeting a, a quest at the moment? Um, you know what, it's, it's, it's been all about the quest right now, but, uh, you know, who knows what, what happens in the future? You know, it's, uh, yeah. we want to reach the biggest audience, you know, to grow the game of golf. Like we want to grow the game of golf. Um, you need to mm-hmm. reach as many people as possible, you know, and, so if there's other platforms that, uh, that make sense for us, yeah, absolutely. If that gets us to a bigger audience, 100%. So, because I guess it wouldn't be too hard to add devices because once you have the game in VR, I don't think it would be that hard to add other ones, but that's always kind of yeah. more curious if like, if you would run into challenges of like, okay, now we're doing PSVR and you have different types of controllers, if everything changes or if a lot of it stays the same. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the physics engine obviously will, will will stay the same. I think the the biggest thing developing for another platform, um, you know, say even PS5, looking down the road, you know, type of thing is mm-hmm. that expectation by a user that you're using all mm-hmm. of the power of that, you know, platform. So obviously with the gotcha. Quest, um, the processing power isn't, you know, as significant as some of the other devices, mm-hmm. just because you don't have supercomputers connected to it or, you know, <laughs> yeah. consoles or things like that. So there, there are limitations when it comes, comes to developing on the quest in terms of, you know, 
processing power and graphics. So I think going to another platform, you know, the expectation would be that, okay, you know, there might need to be start being some thought about hyper-realism. Um, again, what we've, we've developed, and I think this was good for us developing on the quest first is if you're given all the bells and whistles and all the toys that there are out there to develop something, I think you a lot of developers tend to lean on the eye candy rather than thinking about the emotional aspect of it. Um, and that's not what we wanted to do. We definitely wanted to provide something that had an emotion. So the graphics, while we're very proud of them, um, aren't the, the, the main um, gathering point of why we feel somebody will really adopt and hold true to heart pro putt it's because the social the emotions the the feelings that you get that that replicate something that you've done in the real world in vr yeah and you know i think people may not really realize that when you're developing vr you have to like think about how you design the environments because you're not going to just like use like photorealism grab images of golf courses and grass because then all of a sudden it like feels weird and it's like but somehow low poly feels right and it's just right it's it's funny how like it doesn't seem obvious you're like well obviously the best thing would be to look at an actual golf course but actually no right. like in vr it kind of feels weird yeah it's yeah i think a lot of people have tried um in VR platforms or, or devices that aren't connected to a supercomputer to try to go mm. really realistic in the graphics. And it just comes off as incredibly unrealistic. And then yep. it just invades that VR experience because you're like, I'm trying to get something that I think your, your brain in VR a lot of times tricks you, you know, it fills in the blanks and things will happen that your mind will kind of unlock sensations that aren't there. I'll never forget one of my, <clears throat> after I had my horrible Gran Turismo experience, the next thing I did was in PSVR again called London Heist. And there's this point mm. in London Heist where you're in this lorry and you're going down like, you know, whatever one of those highways are, M6 or whatever it is in London. And, uh, like guys are coming by on motorcycles and shooting at you. And the guy's like, grab the gun out of the console and like start shooting. And one of the things you could do was you could open the door and stick your head out of this moving truck and look back and start shooting at guys. I'll never forget opening that door and sticking my head out. And I swore I felt the rush of wind coming across my face <laughs> and I had to catch myself. I was like, what? And I was talking to some other people and they were like, oh yeah, I felt the same thing. So it's like, you don't need ultra realistic graphics to fill in those blanks of sensations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people tend to make in VR is they're trying to make it so real and it just mm -hmm. doesn't get there yet. I think eventually it will, but uh, no, for us, it was, it was more about filling in the, the sensation blanks and the emotions, you know, and the, you know, owning a style too, you know? Yeah. I also think the uncanny valley plays a big role in this because, um, if you try to go too realistic, but it's not completely there yet, the brain will just spot the mistakes and it's just going to feel weird. But with low poly, it obviously doesn't look like the real world, but it 
brain is able to understand it and therefore translate it and attach all the feelings you would have with a real object to it. Yeah. yeah and it, almost like the feeling like, you know, your avatar in VR becomes your avatar in virtual reality. And it's just, there's that feeling that like, I still catch myself like months and months and months, like almost a year after I've had my headset, like every time I'm on a cliff, like I still catch myself like feeling like I'm about to fall, even though <laughs> like, I know for a fact, like the ground is right there. Like it happened in, you know, pro button, a couple of other games. Like it just, your brain just can just slip out of reality so easily. Um, yeah. but like you said, if the game is not built correctly, like it'll break you out of that immersion pretty quickly. You folks uh, obviously have a built up quite a bit of expertise and experience building VR games when it comes to sound, physics, graphics, and just the overall development. What advice would you give to somebody who's totally new to VR and would like to start to build something? Is there something you could say? That's the one advice I'd give to somebody new. I think to, to pick one of two paths, and that would be A, to try to replicate. It's, this is, this is going to be a, a funny thing, funny exercise to do. But to build into VR is whatever you're wanting to build. Okay, And let's say that's a sailing app. Okay, So I want to build mm -hmm. the best sailing app app out there. And I would do that in VR. Well, my first thing that I would suggest you do is close your eyes and start recognizing everything that you feel mm. in sailing <laughs> rather than what you see in sailing. Mm. Like that's where you start. So if you're trying to replicate something real, close your eyes and then start developing from that sense of taking away the visual aspect. So the sounds, the smells, you know, even though you're mm -hmm. not going to smell something there, your, your nose, your olfactory will fill itself in, in VR. So mm -hmm. develop for all the senses minus visual first, and then start adding the visual on top of that. So that would be from, from my advice in a real sense. The second one would be, do not limit your mind as to where you could take somebody truly. So, <laughs> I mean, you can take anybody anywhere, take them inside your mind and develop from there. You know, we all can have dreams and we all see things when we close our eyes or we vision things that, that aren't reality. You can make them reality and you can let people's, as, as much as you think about them and your skin tingles or the hairs on the back of your neck rise when you think of them, you can do that to other people. You know, you can make them see what's inside your mind. So never limit it and bring people in. So I think there's two paths that you could take in VR that, that definitely are going to bring a lot of enjoyment and entertainment to people. That's for sure. It seems counterintuitive to not develop for vision, but yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so how is it developing for people that haven't used VR before? Like, you know, I know you talked about maybe having like a, a go top golf lounge where they can try it out, but you know, mm -hmm. some of these people are going to be the first time ever touching a VR headset, but then you have other people that you're targeting gamers who do know how to use VR. So what's the experience with that where you're, trying to create controls and experiences that are unique like that. I think that's one of the, 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 
difficult things when, you know, it's, it's like the, let me take you back to the Wii. Okay. Is the beauty of the Wii is if you were bowling, you looked at somebody, you said that never, that doesn't play video games. They go, well, what button do I push? And you went, you don't swing it like you would a bowling ball. And then somebody would go, Oh, okay. And then they could play. I think you, you put something like a Fortnite or something into somebody's hands and it's just a bunch of buttons and somebody goes, I have no idea what to do. And it becomes so daunting and it becomes such a learning curve and such an effort to even play, let alone compete online. You know, and I mean, that's, I'm not a, a big multiplayer online person when it comes to things like Fortnite or Call of Duty or stuff like that because I'm just tired of getting like, headshot by some like eight-year-old like the second i respawn it's like okay i'm laying on the ground the whole time this isn't fun you know and i recognize that i need to put so much in so that i can last even four seconds longer than i did for the last month you know and then that's going to take me a month to get to the next eight seconds and you just go it's too daunting um so i think one of the the difficult things with with the quest a lot of times can be, and you know, just seeing people for the first time holding it because first off you're in VR. So your face is covered. So when you say to somebody, pull the grip trigger, you know, which is this trigger on the side of the controller, you almost have to grab their hand and go this finger, this button and push it in for them. And they go, Oh, and it starts taking a bit of muscle memory to understand it. Now, the majority of the, the demographic of a Quest user right now is a gamer. So they know what a controller is and they know how to learn button positions and things like that quite quickly. But if you're going to get to a mass audience, you need to limit the amount of buttons. Now, the Quest has done it quite well and it becomes quite intuitive and their onboarding when you first put on the Quest is, is quite good. But translating that from different game to different game is tough. The beauty of ProPut is once you kind of activate yourself, it's basically the trigger is going to activate the ball or you orient yourself is the trigger is going to activate the ball. You putt, you pull the trigger to follow it or go to your next putt or anything. So there's not a lot of buttons that are there. It becomes very much like the Wii in the sense of like, do you know how to hit a putt? Yeah. Do that motion. And they hit it and the ball goes they're like, oh, I hit it. And you're like, yeah, and that's it. So I think that's that's one very special thing about ProPut that'll allow um, new people into VR to grasp, grasp a game that they can, you know, pick up very quickly and go, okay, I don't need to learn, you know, all these button combos and stuff like that in order to play this thing. You know? So taking this even one step further, have you... Um Took, uh, have you looked at hand tracking? Oculus is now starting to support, like not having any buttons in the game. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something we've kind of played with. I think um, um, more from a side of like novelty um, type of thing rather than than anything else. Um, it's it's new for them as well. So I think if it came down to us doing anything with it, I think one important thing, even though the Quest controller doesn't weigh a lot, 
the sensation that there's some bit of weight in your hand when you putt is important. So I don't ever see us like getting rid of the controller completely and like just putting with your hands together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think for super golf enthusiasts, you'll see them doing that in the middle of an aisle at Home Depot, <laughs> but yeah. it probably doesn't translate too well into, into a VR game. So the, any bit of weight is good. I think where it come into is being able to do any sort of, um, you know, menu, um, you know, access or option selections or things like that. Um, that we would, you know, possibly look at it there, but who knows, you know, our, our minds are unleashed. So it could be something that we, we discover that, that people enjoy doing that, you know, I mean, eventually maybe it's one of those things to get ultra realistic, you know, most pros, when they go to hit a putt, they read the putt. And the Mm. last thing they do is they have a mark, whether it's a line or it's the Titleist logo or something like that on the ball. They take that and they line that logo up exactly on the line that they're going to putt. So when they get over the mm-hmm. ball and they look down, they don't have to rethink it. It's like, okay, I'm lined up. I need to like align my feet, my shoulders, and I need to stroke it exactly on that line. So I could see us where, you know, maybe in the future, you actually took the golf ball in your hand with the hand tracking and kind of like put it down and like manipulated. So the line, the logo was exactly where it needed to be. And then you could get over the ball and hit it. So things like that, I think could be interesting in the future where hand tracking would come into play. Yeah. I actually do that one quite a lot when I'm playing physical, but, and you know, like you also kind of like sit on your club. So you kind of look down the line and Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that you don't realize you do. The great things about releasing, um, your your game into the wild is uh is people are going to start finding out what they like they're going to start telling others about what they like they're going to start doing a lot more and we can we can look at look at all those things and listen to all those comments and start developing it even further um i think a perfect example of that need is what's happened um, currently in sim racing um, mm. you know, before, before everything that, that hit us as a society hit us, I mean, you very few people in this world that are diehard NASCAR fans or especially formula one fans, whatever, sit there and go, yeah, I'm going to spend a Saturday afternoon watching sim racing. And you know what? Now hundreds of millions of people do that each week and religiously. And what they've they've seen is that the reason why they're watching it and believing in the realism is because you get a a, a driver like Charles Leclerc or Lando Norris or George Russell or these guys that are on their simulators. And that wheel is about as realistic as it gets. And it's physical. And if you hit a a burn the wrong way, it's going to twist your wrists off. And then you realize that that takes all of that talent to manipulate that wheel and go through the gears and all of that, rather than just using a joystick and the realism comes into play for everybody. So I think there are going to be that opportunities going forward in any sports game in the digital sense that that link into something in reality that even ups the precision that you need to have to 
compete at a level, then I think that'll be important, you know, and uh, we'll definitely be in position for making that move at the right time. How has the beta program been so far when, you know, I think you guys have Discord and some other ones, like, how's that been working with people that, like you said, maybe golfers, maybe gamers, maybe I get, I, Yeah, I mean, I have to give a major shout out to our, to our beta testers. They were just truly an incredible, impressive bunch of people from everywhere, all over the world. I mean, they they really gave us insight into um, things that we weren't looking at. Um, they really praised us on ideas that we maybe jumped a little far ahead and were wondering how those would come out. Um, I mean, they, they played it senseless. I mean, we've got this, this one guy down in Naples, Florida, that I, it is truly amazing the amount of pro putt he played through beta. It was, <laughs> and the feedback that he gave us and just stuff that we really like took to heart and, and, you know, incorporated in the final product, but it was, uh, mm-hmm. they, they were really, really special to, to give us that amount of time to, to shape this. And, and they are, they are definitely the, the 12th man on the team um, for sure. When it comes to what you'll see in the, in the Oculus store in a couple of days. So um, ProPod also supports a multiplayer mode where you can get paired up with our players, uh, which are a similar skill level. Um, how are you dealing with the um, well-known chicken and egg problem where nobody can get paired up with somebody if there's no players, but nobody is trying if there's, uh, nobody who can get paired up with. Yeah. It's, well, <laughs> right now when you've got a small beta group, it's, uh, it definitely is challenging. So it's, it's kind of, you know, a range of time, which has been awesome because we're like, okay, we're going to try this at this hour and, you know, mm-hmm. people show up and they're ready to go and they're ready to go like mm-hmm. past what my stamina is. So it's like, <laughs> wow. Like they played yeah. for that long. Like that's awesome. Um, you know, when it's, when it's live in the store, you know, it's going to, it's going to come down to how fast people are downloading and getting to that point of, (laughs) of wanting to play multiplayer. I mean, one thing I want to stress is it's, it's a social experience unlike anything out there for sure. And I mean, it's just, it is really, it's so personal. It's so social. It's so emotional that it's like, man, I've, I've played a lot of, multiplayer experiences both in vr and in you know other digital realms and it's i'm not you know patting us on the back that much or really trying to promote our product beyond beyond the truth and it really is something special when it comes to um playing you know multiplayer and pro putt but uh mm-hmm. if there's not somebody else to play with there's always the bot um so you have multiple <laughs> levels that you you know he'll difficulty that he'll play at or she'll play at um and uh i'll tell you what there's some times where you're like and what's i think really good about our bot as well it never feels like there's programmed responses like if i choose mm-hmm easy it's not like okay on that hole he always plays that hole the same no it's not i mean i've seen on easy on some holes where you're like oh there's no like i can't make this on easy he's not going to make it and somehow or another he makes it you're like whoa and it also doesn't feel you know fifa went through i think fifa and madden both went through 
a phase before AI really was, you know, what we know AI is. And they would affect some things that would change the kind of flow of the game. So if all of a sudden I was up by a ton in Madden or FIFA, all of a sudden it was like, like in FIFA, I couldn't tackle somebody or they were running faster Mm. than me. Or it was like, where do they get this superpower like 78 minutes into the match? It's like, come on, this is so unrealistic. And it was just to keep it close and, and interesting. Yeah. Um, with the bot and pro putt, you never feel that. You never feel like, okay, well, now he's got superpowers and he's coming back. It's It feels, you know, and, and many people will say this about a bot, but it feels like it has personality and it feels mm-hmm. like it can make decisions um, and that anything is possible with it. So, uh, you know, I've seen it take some routes that you're like, really? Like yeah. that one, you know? And I've seen other things where it's like, okay, I've got this guy. And all of a sudden it's yeah. like, <laughs> and it's, I think what it is, is not so much the bot is playing better at that point in time, but you're starting to beat yourself just like in real golf, mm. you know, you're, you get your confidence is high. You're like, oh, I can hit every shot. And you know, your buddy's like, um, you can't make that 220 yard green with a nine, nine iron. Oh, I can do anything today. You know what? It's in the water every time, you know? So I think what happens more often is that your confidence gets high or your nerves get to you and you start making the mistakes. It's not that the bot is actually getting better. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh we, we've solved that. If you if you want to get out there and play with somebody, that 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 dude's always ready for 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 a match, and you put him on hard or or pro, and you could really be in for some misery. You got to be on your on your game every shot, and so it's it's fun. Well, I think like you said, I think something you guys nailed was the multiplayer aspect, and for me, I. I had such a good time playing the game because there's something about like, you know, a lot of these rooms like big screen and VR chat and alt Mm -hmm. space where you're just sitting around talking, but there's something about like talking while you're doing an activity that I feel like really lowers the threshold for a lot of people that maybe are socially awkward or have a hard time um, talking with people. Whereas when you're doing an activity, you really start to open up because you're having to focus on other things. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that part is super cool. And then, so with that, you know, it's a double edged sword. How do you guys deal with, you know, spam and abuse? Like, so let's say you do have a, a person that is a bad egg that is, you know, harassing other people. Yeah. I think, uh, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, obviously we haven't had it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it'll be a little bit that we'll, we'll have to deal with it as it comes. I think, I think those people exist in the community kind of ostracizes them pretty quickly and they realize they're not getting to anybody and then they'll go find another game that they can do it in. Um, there's nothing really in pro putt that, that really promotes somebody being that way, you know, where it's like, yeah, it just you, you get in there and you feel like okay, we're all here to have a good time and compete and stuff like that. Now, if we start doing tournaments, people are going to get serious. You know, um, you can always mute somebody. You know, so you don't have to mm-hmm. hear them if they're they're talking a certain way. I mean, we've all played with a golfer that just has a horrible temper. 
Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's kind of funny how expressive the putter can be in uh, in pro putt. So you can get yes. a sense of what a bad day somebody's having by the way that they're waving the putter or smashing it <laughs> into the ground when they miss a two footer. Um, but as as far as the abuse side of it, you know, if if, if somebody's obviously getting out of control, mm-hmm. then there's there are different ways that we can deal with that. So. Um, I think VR is a pretty good place to uh, place a few Easter eggs here and there. Uh, does Propot have uh, some hidden Easter eggs to explore and to find? Well, Norbert, I'm going to answer that question quite easily and quite complexly at the same time. Yes. they are there um there's some yeah there's some great things always if i can give you this one word of advice is giant mode is very keen not only for (laughs) seeing where you need to go on a hole um something you know it comes in very early on uh hole three Mm -hmm. on the beach course you know it's your third hole into mm. your campaign where uh, it's a par four and you need to get up in the air and really see where you want to leave your tee shot. Um, but going into giant mode can also put you in places where there might be Easter eggs. Um, and then, you know, just tap your putter on a lot of things. You know, everything <laughs> is, is engaging, you know, and interactive in it. So, just go around just beating things with your putter. And, uh, nice. That's good some, advice. At some, some point in time, something might you know, pop out at you. Nice. Nice. Well, Jason, we'd just like to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. So where can people find um, information about ProPut and follow you on social media? Yeah, so we're on you know all the social media platforms on Discord. Um, you can go to ProPut.com. Um, that'll show you the trailer and a bunch of the features and, you know, take you to all the special places at the same time. And then, uh, you know, it, uh, you've got an, a, a quest head into the store. Uh, today you can see some screenshots and read some descriptions and watch the trailer and things like that. In a couple of days, mm. you know, either jump into your Oculus app or jump into your headset and, click on ProPut and download it and and meet us out on the course. You know, if you're looking for a real awesome. challenge, you know, go on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I'll kind of reveal to everybody. Um, there's this character on YouTube doing ProPut videos. His name's Smooth Ketchup. You'll see him at the top of the leaderboard <laughs> a lot of times as well. That's me. So bring it nice. on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for a challenge. Just uh, hit awesome. Smooth Ketchup in in in, in in friends and invite me and uh we'll go head to head you know but uh nice but, but smooth smooth will raz you when you're down i'm gonna knock you down even further so uh, <laughs> be prepared for the banter that's all i got to say so really you're saying that uh by building the game you're just finding a way to compete with all, everyone in the world so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it you know that's it yeah so well, uh, make sure to, you know, look in the description show notes for all the links that we link. Well, we've been talking about. Um, thank you so much again, Jason, for being on. And um, we hope to see you in the next episode. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Really had a good time today. <laughs>